Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and my normal partner in crime, Serenity Caldwell, is a little under the weather. So I'm joined by a friend of the show, I would say friend of humanity just on the whole, <laughs> Micah Sargent. Uh, hi. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's um, that, that flu is running rampant right now. In, it's bad. Yeah, in the United States and Canada, it would seem. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Rin, like, she's, it, it's awesome. She sort of is a, a, a quantum uh, dot existing in two places at once. Like, one, as long as you don't check in on her, she could either be in Canada or the United States and is, frankly, in both. Both of them or neither of them, so long as you don't look into it. <laughs> the flu is bad. I had it at Christmas. It was awful. And so when Ren texted me saying she was sick, I was like, stay in bed. Like <laughs> the show will go on. You just go sleep for like six days and uh, and then come back. So if, if you're not familiar with Micah, you are the co-host of the Clockwise podcast here on Relay FM, and you are an editor at Mobile Nations as well. You cover a bunch of good stuff at iMore and uh, that family of websites. That sounds like me. Yeah. That sounds like you. Uh, so we're going to dive in. Um, Micah, what's first on our list today? Well, uh, the first question is very topical. Uh, hey, how's the iMac Pro of yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the iMac Pro is Apple's newest Mac computer made for power users such as myself. Uh, it is, it's an iMac, right? So it's an all-in-one it comes in the iMac box. It looks like an iMac, except that it's in space gray, which is very pretty. Mm. But it's an iMac. You know, if you've used an iMac, sitting down in front of an iMac Pro is not radically different, except that everything is, well, depending on what you're doing, it can be noticeably faster than the regular 5K iMac. The, the trick with the iMac Pro is that it is really good at multi-threaded operations. So basically what that means is it can do more things in parallel than a regular iMac. And so if your application that you're using, something like, you know, like iMovie or Final Cut, if they are written in a way to take advantage of as many processor cores as it can to basically work in parallel then those sorts of things are way faster. Not everything is way faster, right? It still kind of powers up at the same speed and, you know, checking emails the same speed. A lot of single core stuff is very similar. Mm -hmm. But for high-end work, it's it's a lot faster. But that means it's, it's not a computer for everybody. You know, you've got to be sort of an audio or a video editor or maybe a, a, a developer, software developer, to really, I think, justify this computer. It's not for <laughs> everyone. Um, but it's pretty sweet. I won't lie. Yeah, I I think anybody could figure out a way to justify it, but it's one of those things it's where space it, gray. What more do you need? Right. It's well. It's like it's like capturing a unicorn uh, out in out in the wild, and if you're not a unicorn like aficionado and you have a unicorn, you can't take advantage of all of the great things that a unicorn can do, like heal the sick and run faster than uh, the fastest cheetah. And so I think that this machine is, is similar in that way. You've got to be able to unlock its magical unicorn secrets. You, you do know unicorns aren't real, right? Wait, what? 
Is hmm. is is IMAC hmm. ProRail? Uh, no. So this is interesting. I had this question sort of answered this morning uh, when I was recording Clockwise, um, but I'm curious to see if you feel the same way. Uh, James Thompson, I would say, also a friend of humanity uh, who makes yes. wonderful PCALC, um, got an iMac Pro, and. The question that I was going to ask you is one that he answered himself on the show. It's uh, when you opened up this this box, like what were the material differences between it and the non-pro iMac? His his question was more around the fact that like he's sort of disappointed because it's still an iMac. It's just like mm. it, it, did did you feel that way too when you opened it and you started using it and it's like wow this thing isn't capable of loving me back and like doesn't have i don't know uh, robot appendages like it's still just an iMac pro or are there things that you see that that really set this thing apart aside from well you know it, it moves a lot faster <laughs> well i really like the iMac so i had a 5k 27 inch on my desk before this um before that years ago i had a string of like 17 and 20 inch iMacs for a long time. I really like the iMac. I like that. I like having a desktop computer. I like the iMac means I don't have stuff, you know, plugged in under my desk, on top of my desk, and cables and that sort of thing that you get with with a tower. So for me, as an iMac fan, this is kind of the ultimate iMac, right? It's it's everything that I love in this thin design, and it's really pretty and it works well on my desk, but it's way faster. The unboxing stuff is a little bit different. The box is noticeably heavier than the than the five k box, but the huh. machine is not that much heavier. The all of the internals, like the other, the iMacs use foam. This one's all like cardboard and everything. I, I believe everything's much more recyclable in this box. Although it's heavier, which means it costs more to move it around the world. So I, I mean, I don't know how that comes out. I'm sure someone inside Apple has a number spreadsheet that makes that make sense. But it's an <laughs> iMac. If you've unboxed an iMac, you, you've unboxed one of these. It you know opens the same way with a stupid trapezoid box and you know comes wrapped in paper and you undo it and everything. It's an iMac, but I like that. So I understand James' perspective because I, I believe James has used a Mac Pro for a long time. And if you're a Mac Pro user, the iMac Pro is sort of a consolation prize until they build a new tower later this year. <laughs> but until then, you know, the iMac Pro is what you get. But for me, as an iMac fan, I'm not really interested in the Mac Pro until I see it, you know, check back in with me. But I really like the all-in-one form factor. So for this, for me, it's sort of like the ultimate iMac. Well, can I just say, I, like, I appreciate, I appreciate you because the... The unboxing and the things that you're noting there about, like, the cardboard differentiation, all of those things are things that I think are interesting, and I think they're things that not everybody's going to pay attention to. And so I'm glad that, like, all of that has factored into your unboxing. Like, I, I could probably take it as far as asking you to describe the scent of the box and how that <laughs> changes, but uh, we certainly oh, won't do that because then someone will make a candle of it. Um I am curious now. Uh, it seems like everybody, they everybody who got an iMac Pro, uh, it wasn't long before they were taking it through a bunch of different tests. They were, you know, popping yeah. open Geekbench and all these other things. So, I, I like. 
did you did you give the the thing time to to get to know its surroundings or did you immediately <laughs> start to 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 pelt it with tests and instead of talking about like well yes i opened up geekbench and ran it for 12 hours and discovered these things that sort of everybody has been doing what are some things that you wanted to see it do and like what what you're like okay this is great because i can do x a lot faster yeah i didn't put it through any like benchmarking uh, partially, and there'll be a link in the show notes to an article I wrote on iMore about this. I initially bought a 2017 5K iMac at the end of the year, thinking that this machine will hold me over and I can decide what to do down the road, just buying myself some time. That was not the machine for me, so I returned it and bought this. In that time where I had the other one, I benchmarked that against Jason Snell's iMac Pro for his his review of that machine. So I already knew all the, the benchmark numbers. I knew how it was I knew that it was gonna be, you know, two to three times faster in these sorts of tasks. Uh, but the big one for me was how is it gonna handle four K video in Final Cut Pro? So I, I record and release four K video for YouTube and edit in Final Cut. And it's not night and day faster, but it's over the hump as far as frustration. The The 2015 iMac I had was an i5, and it would really get, get choked up doing 4K video. And the iMac Pro re, you know, renders it and edits it basically in real time. It drops very few, if any, frames while editing. Um, you still have to wait on stuff because it's a lot of data, and I, I just did the base model. But for me, that was the big question of can I edit a video and not get frustrated at the computer because I'm doing 4K. Hmm. And it passed that test that my last video I did, I did on this machine, and it went really well. And I, I didn't feel like I was waiting on the machine any more than I absolutely had to be. And that, that was a nice a nice change. That, yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Um, the next question I have for you, I think anybody who upgrades to a new device, be it an iPhone or, uh, I don't know, an Android phone or uh, to a new computer, the onboarding process, the the transfer process can be sort of cumbersome depending on what you do. Although some people end up just starting fresh. So I'm curious sort of how your whole process worked on, you know, the, the, the day that it came, did you plan everything out and sort of have the, the, the red carpet, I guess is the metaphor I'm going with, <laughs> rolled out and ready to go and all of your, your licenses unchecked and, and uh, switched over. What's, what was that process like and uh, did it take multiple days even? Well, I had returned the 2017 iMac when I picked this one up from the store. So I didn't have another computer. I had my laptop, but it's set up very differently. My only data was on a time machine drive and then bootable backups and that sort of stuff. But uh, I basically restored from that time machine backup from that USB drive. So that took a couple hours because, you know, it's, um, you know, 600 gigs of data over USB and that, that just takes some time. But Time Machine does a really good job. You know, you will run into a few things where you have to reauthenticate iCloud and, you know, authenticate iTunes. And, you know, here and there you'll run into an app that maybe, um, you know, requires a, a license key because it was associated with the with the other machine's MAC address or something. But all in all, it was super smooth. Time Machine does a really good job. The, the, rest, the restore process, that restoration is really smooth. And it, it you know, other than having to enter my iCloud password on a few things... Um, really, I was back up and running, you know, pretty quickly after the after the data transfer itself was done. 
Awesome. Yeah, that uh, few hundred times you have to enter your iCloud password because it gets on a loop <laughs> on it for some reason on macOS now. Um, the only other question that I have, and then I'm curious to hear if there's sort of anything that we missed that you want to talk about, including that sweet, sweet space gray color uh, and just how awesome it is and whether it lets you see the future. Um, I just want to know, do you name your your Apple mm-hmm. devices in general, and does uh, this computer have a name? I uh, My Mac MacBook Pro, it's called Jeffries, um, and I have all of my Apple devices named after Apple varieties. So I've got like Brayburn, and and uh, I haven't gotten all. I worked down the alphabet, and I haven't gotten all the way down to W yet. But I'm sure that's going mm-hmm. to be the Washington Apple. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I generally name my machines or my devices ISMH, which is what I use on Twitter, uh, plus the name of the product. So this is ISMH Pro. My laptop is ISMH Book. My phone is ISMH 10. You know, just they're uniform, um, but they're not creative in any way. Um, Now, I do do name, so like my home server and the Drobo is attached to it and the file share on that Drobo, they are all named for things in this old TV show called Chuck that was on NBC for a while and not many people saw it or liked it, but I did. And uh, (laughs) so I have a naming scheme there. But as far as devices that I actually use every day, uh, you know, they kind of get named based on what they are, and that's about it. Cool. I, I, can I feel like I've let it. you down. I feel like I've, uh, I've let you down. Look, it, you know, it's th- there are different styles. Like I can appreciate that that uh, simple style, and it makes it easy uh, every time. For some reason, I haven't bookmarked that page, so every time I have to go find the Apple Varieties page and sort of work down the alphabet. Um, so I can appreciate this. It's like, hey, this just needs the Roman numeral ten after it, and then we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's a solid machine. I think it's a computer that you know if it's for you or not because it's really expensive. Even the base model I bought was five thousand dollars. I mean, it's it's crazy money. Uh, but for me and what I do in in content creation every day, I needed the horsepower, and you know, I, I felt like I could justify the expense through work. The unicorn but power. It is. Um, it's space gray, and so you know that that just makes people melt. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. Other than that, externally, I mean, it's very similar to the iMac. You do get four USB-C Thunderbolt 3 ports on the back instead of just two. So for the first time ever, I'm using an iMac without a USB hub hanging off the back because I'm not using any Thunderbolt 3 devices, but I populated those USB-C ports with um, a couple USB-C cables, like my Time Machine drive, and I have an external SSD I use for some storage. Uh, I switch those over to USB-C cables, and so those go right in, nice. and then I have something plugged into a USB-C to A adapter. And it's really nice not to have any any hubs anywhere, and I have a couple USB ports open for various things. Uh, so the extra I.O. is nice, but past that, you know, externally, like th- like I said, this is an iMac. It's just sort of like the big brother to the iMac. It's it's very much of the same same line. Yeah, it feels it's it's sort of like um I mean a MacBook Pro versus a non-Pro MacBook uh comparison versus something like uh an iMac versus the Mac Pro. Uh right. there there's a huge jump between those two, but this feels more in line with Apple's um MacBook line. And I think that makes sense. Like the iMac would would have that same sort of distinction there and this is yeah. for the upper the upper needs of use for those who uh, are creative uh, or are content creators rather. And uh, it sounds like you are, you know, you, you've 
you found a need for it. And um, if, if a unicorn isn't the right metaphor, I feel like the sword in the stone is another one that works. It's almost <laughs> as if like you sat down at the machine and it will say no to you if you're not right for it. It has to respect there you. you. <laughs> it has to choose you. Yes. Uh, well, we've got a lot more to talk about uh, this week. But if you if you have a question for the show, you can use the hashtag AskQuery on Twitter, and we will see it. Uh, so the next question, Micah, is for you. Timothy writes, with the recent battery news from Apple, which we talk, we spoke about in our last episode, is it a mistake uh, to leave your phone plugged in overnight to charge? Yes. No. Um, if this is It's an interesting thing because... If this sort of used to be the case. Uh, machines were machines back in my day were not as smart as they are today. Um, <laughs> you really did. You ran into an issue where the, the the thing would you know get charged all the way up, and then there there were no smarts involved in it, and so you wanted to unplug things afterward because keeping them plugged in was sort of charging at that 100% mark and that's not good. Uh, so it's like trying to oversaturate a sponge uh, with power. But this uh, this changed. Uh, Apple's devices got a lot smarter and so did many other devices where instead of trying to fill that sponge after it gets all the way full, well, here's what we can do. We can let the sponge get full and then squeeze it a little bit when it gets to 100% saturation and then let it fill back up again. So it sort of drops down and then fills back up and then drops down and fills back up. So overnight, your your phone sponge is emptying and filling back up and therefore nothing is, uh, nothing is harming your phone in those ways. Uh, so you're you're safe to safe to keep that bad boy plugged in, and uh, you don't need to worry about it. You can sleep soundly. So any of <laughs> your your nightmares about your phone sort of breaking it, it's not yeah. it's not a problem. Yeah, I mean it's and it's clever too. App, Apple leaves the battery meter at a hundred percent. So if if you picked your phone up in the morning, it was ninety six percent. You'd be wondering what happened. Mm -hmm. So they fudged that a little bit. Um, but all these batteries and devices have circuitry in them to protect it from overcharging. So it's it really, they've gotten very smart. You're not going to harm it from charging overnight. Now, Apple does have some tips for protecting battery lifespan. There'll be a link in the show notes. You know, things like avoid extreme ambient temperatures. You know, leaving your phone in your car overnight when it's 20 degrees outside, or if it's 120 degrees outside, Oof. that's going mean, to potentially damage the battery, battery chemistry over time. Um, if you're going to charge it or if you're going to store it long term so say you're going to go on a month-long trip and you're not taking your ipad apple says store it in a cool place you know and store it about halfway charged don't leave it all the way charged don't leave it all the way empty but leave it at 50 percent or so and you know you'll be set and of course things like uh, auto lock and auto brightness on devices we're going to talk about that a little bit later with the iphone you know using those features will help help the battery as well so you're not having to charge it as often but honestly, I think the days of having to worry about this are behind us. You know, it used to be, like you said, it's, it's different now. It used to be that if you had a power book or an iBook and you left it plugged in at your desk all the time, eventually the battery would just fail because it wasn't getting used. It was always getting power applied to it. And uh, that stuff just isn't as true as it used to be because these devices have gotten smarter. So um, I plug my phone in every single night. I drop my watch on its little charging puck every single night and I don't worry about it. And I don't think... Uh, 
I don't think you should either. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about people who like to sleep uh, in cold, cold, cold rooms uh, like me. That's certainly not an issue. So if you're thinking about those ambient temperatures being an issue, uh, we're talking like we're talking when it gets down and it gets really cold. So as long as you're not seeing your breath whenever you're sleeping at night in your room. Yeah. Apple says... For, for iOS devices, 32 degrees Fahrenheit to 95 degrees Fahrenheit. That's what they consider ambient. So unless it's below freezing, um, not Then not we should talk about, about just getting a heated uh, blanket maybe or, or rather a, a cooling blanket or something. Patching we'll need... the hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. This week's episode of Query is brought to you by Simple Contacts. I think it's pretty great when an app takes a tiresome task and makes it fuss-free. Simple Contacts does this by being the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription. You can reorder your contacts from anywhere in just minutes. All you have to do is complete the online self-guided vision test. It takes less than five minutes. You can do it wherever you are right now. No more doctor's offices, no more waiting rooms. And you get to order your favorite contacts right from within the app or the website. Simple Contacts offers all the lens brands you love with options for astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. I use a very specific brand of lens. I've gone through a bunch and found one that really works for me. And they had it, and I could quickly order it, and they showed up at my door. You get to order exactly what you need from the palm of your hand whenever you want. Simple Contacts, quite simply, is the future. The vision test is just $20, and for comparison, an appointment without insurance could cost you over $200. Simple contacts can save you money and time, but we do need to let you know this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. I've used simple contacts. I did the vision test on my phone, uh, and it's it's one of those things that just it feels like, of course my iPhone can do this. Of course the phone should be able to do this, uh, but it was a new experience and really worked great and was and it was fun you know vision tests aren't that exciting but when you get to do it on your phone it feels uh it feels like the future as a listener of this show you can get thirty dollars off your contact lenses just go to simplecontacts.com slash query or you can enter query at checkout that's simplecontacts.com slash query or use the code query for thirty dollars off we thank simple contacts for their support of this show and relay fm all right, Micah, we're now on the speed run. Whew. Okay, I've been stretching we'll during the ad stretching, break. Stretch it out, get your tennis shoes on. Liam writes, what does the waterproof mode on the Apple Watch do? If I forget to turn it on before submerging my watch, can it become damaged? You know, Liam, I had this same question the other day when I was actually taking a shower and uh, decided to bravely go where plenty of people have gone before, which is wearing my Apple Watch in the shower. Leaned down, saw that the mode was not turned on and was like, oh, no, should I have enabled that? Well, it is not. There's not as if uh, there's like a tiny little shield that falls down over the ports whenever you turn this on, (laughs) although that would be really cool. Uh, Instead, this this mode, you can activate it in control center on the watch with a swipe up from the bottom and what it does is it locks your screen so you what you don't want is water which is conductive sort of hitting the screen and making it think that you are touching it with your uh, little <laughs> fingerprints so yeah. sorry the, it's like a pocket text or pocket dial yeah. it's a pool dial oh i'm sorry the swimming pool called you so sorry about that oh dear i i sort of love that uh who's on the line um so this keeps your 
your your watch from getting activated, the screen from turning on, and potentially any number of things happening, like accidentally wiring $100 over PayPal to somebody or something. Uh, there aren't accidental inputs. And then the cool thing about this mode is that when you come out of it, uh, you have to spin the digital crown uh, a certain amount. Not even it's You don't just spin it a little bit or, or push it or whatever, because you may accidentally do that like while you were in the water. So they have you turn it quite a bit, but once it gets turned, it emits this tone that is tuned to sort of expel water from the the, spe- the speaker cavity. So, do you want to hear it? You want to hear the tone? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. All right, here we go. It's very exciting. It's good radio, right? Yeah. On and what's weird is like. I feel like I need to drink some water now because I think that I just lost, you know, a fourth of the water that was in my body. It's weird how that tone works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you you can uh, get that shut off. And this is this is the deal. Um, if your phone gets, or rather, if your watch gets wet uh, while this isn't turned on, uh, things are going to be okay uh, because it's just. Again, it's just sort of disabling the screen, then also preparing for that tone. Now, if you do, like I did, uh, take a shower wearing it, and then afterward you're like, well, there could be water in my speaker grill. You can enable it after you hop out of the shower. You just swipe up from the bottom, hit that little button, and then do the little spin thing, and then you'll hear that sound, and it will be expelling any water that's inside of the speaker grill. Um, cool. So I think we have a link in the show notes uh, for more information on that, Yeah. Yeah, just about general waterproofing information about the Apple Watch because you know different models have different levels of it. And um, yeah, I think you're totally right. I wouldn't sweat it if it does get wet. You know, put it in in water mode and then take it out. Just make sure that speaker's clear, and I think you'll be all set. I think the moral of the story, like with the battery charging question, is don't worry about it so much. Just go go live your life. Enjoy it. (laughs) Live your life. Uh, All right. Well, here is a question for you from Ben. Ben asks, have either of you had any, ooh, this is either of you, interesting, had any experience with add-on camera lenses for your phones? And if so, are they worth the investment? So I've owned uh, the Clip before, before, which is a a little product that clips on your phone and you get a couple different lenses like a you know, a fisheye or a macro, those are real common in these sets. And uh, the auto clip is fine, except um, generally if the phone body changes radically, you've got to buy a new one. Um, I think they've gotten better at that over the years. I haven't owned one, honestly, in a long time. Um, but it's fun. I know the Moment system is very popular. It is, uh, it's sort of a multi-part system, so you get an iPhone case, and the lenses screw into the case and sort of rest against the camera. So if you went from an iPhone six to an iPhone, you know, 10, mm-hmm. you just get a different case and your, all your lenses still work. Cause the lenses interface with the, with the, the iPhone case, um, very high quality stuff, lots of options. It's expensive. You know, I don't think the moment product is, is one for like a, you know, doing something casually, but if you do a lot of photography or video with your iPhone, it gives you a lot of flexibility cause you get different types of lenses than just what what comes uh, comes with the phone. Uh, what about you, Mike? Have you ever played with any of these? 
Yeah. Um, so I am a bigger fan of, again, ones that work with, with a case, um, as opposed to having to be connected directly to, uh, because these change all the time and the, these being, being the iPhone and the camera system. And so it was sort of frustrating, uh, with the, the old clip to have it, um, change and not be able to uh connect it and 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 still use it so i've got them and i don't know what to do with them now uh they just are sort of hanging out and i will on occasion hold them up very carefully to the lens uh not on the (laughs) not on the iphone but on the ipad um Mm. because the one on the back is still similar to whatever iphone i had at the time that that worked with it um but i i I love these. i can see you very carefully like nobody breathe i'm gonna touch them (laughs) and my i've got like i've got pretty long fingers as you have pointed out the past uh it's it's weird man it's got scary hands and so it's good for sort of doing little finger gymnastics to try and hold the lens on the on the big <laughs> ipad while also taking photos because um, i like i love the i love macro shots in general but i love uh, totally. being able to take macro shots with with the iphone and with uh with those lenses yeah so we'll have some uh some links to all the clip and, and moment um like i said i don't have any experience with them firsthand recently but i know i know they're popular options and there are others but those are the two that came to mind for me all right micah last question uh, this is from Mike. Mike wants to know if he should be worried about burn-in on his OLED iPhone 10. Ooh, the the ever scary OLED burn-in problem. Well, here's the deal. Uh, you may not want to know this, but uh, burn-in is going to be inevitable over time. Uh, it is sort of the the problem with with OLED is it's the one weakness. It is the uh, opening in the armor, if you will. Um, but Apple has done a bunch of stuff to try and uh, avoid this issue, to try to, to, to mitigate the problems. And there are also things that you can do to help keep your display from uh, having issues with burn-in. So Apple uh, and, and other companies as well work to make – it's interesting sort of the subtle differences that they can uh, – chain that they can make within a screen, within a display uh, to keep the burn-in issues and sort of how some companies will, things that are more persistent on the screen, it will shift subtly uh, between pixels so that there's no burn-in there. Uh, But when it comes to what you can do, because you sort of got to let the operating system and all of the, the technology do what it does, but the way that you can help it do its job, the way that you can help it help you, is by using auto brightness and auto lock, the, the default settings for these. And that's because they're a little bit more aggressive on the iPhone 10. The idea is that you don't want that screen like super, super bright, and you don't want, you know, unless you need it to be. And after you're done looking at the display, you might as well let that bad boy turn off as opposed to staying on for long distance or I mean for for long periods of time. So by shutting that off um, and and making sure that you don't have auto lock set to never, um, then the screen will stay. Uh, will we'll shut off after you're done looking at it. And especially if you have the iPhone 10, of course, which has that awareness feature that sort of knows whenever you're looking at the screen, um, then it's not going to be an issue. And uh, also considering like you may not want to have i don't know a photo of uh beetlejuice in his white and black suit on the screen at full brightness for hours so if you ever thought about doing that maybe don't do that exact thing <laughs> uh yeah. but ultimately 
Apple and any, honestly, like any, it's not just Apple, any company that's going to make something with no LED display, the last thing that they want is like they didn't hire you to babysit the screen that they made and you right. shouldn't worry about it uh, all too much. You're not meant to sit there and sort of figure out how to keep your phone from from having burn in. It's just the defaults are there and they've got technology in place. So let those things work how they should and you should be okay. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, trust the defaults and I think we'll, be, we'll all be okay for a while on these phones. If you want to find links to stuff we talked about, go over to the website, relay.fm slash query slash 22. You can submit questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskQuery. Uh, Micah, where can people find you if they want to know more about what you well, do? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Micah Sargent. Um, but if you're looking for links to all the things I do, including the podcasts that I'm on and my my writing over at iMore, you can go to www.chihuahua.coffee. That's C-H-I-H-U-A H-U-A dot coffee. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write at 512pixels.net. Uh, until our next episode, Micah, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Adios.